Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to our podcast where we cover business in the news and add our legal twist. My name is Nasser Pasha. And I'm Matt Stahl. And today we are covering a new law in California that just passed despite Matt's strong objections. <laughs> you know, this actually passed unanimously, 39-0, but he, Matt, I remember he wrote me an email that day of, he's like, if I was in the California Senate that day, I would have voted no. Would have been the sole nay vote. Don't know if I should even be on the rest of this episode. If, <laughs> actually, I need to be on so I can defend myself against these <laughs> allegations, but it's pretty impressive it was 39-0. I guess that was for the California Senate back in August 31st. Yeah. I did see that though. Yeah. Uh, unanimous passage. But yeah, we're talking about the California Fair Pay Act. And it's not talking about the state fair, talking about <laughs> fair pay between men and women. And I mean, there's a few specifics on this. I'll run through them and we can just discuss it here. So I think the, these first couple of things are probably the biggest thing. So it's requiring that men and women receive equal pay for what is now substantially similar work, regardless of whether they work at the same physical location. So in the past, I believe it was just defined as the same work. Yeah, which. Yeah. So just so everyone's clear, this is not, I mean, it's new. It's not new in the sense that, you know, always before you, you couldn't discriminate between men and women, but in order to prove discrimination or to violate the law, the burden of proof was, it was not easy to prove in other words, because, you know, same work and then, well, go ahead. I think you were listening at some of the other changes. Yeah, no, but you're right. I mean, the same work is, is pretty vague, but so just to, to go with that. So substantially similar work means a composite of skill, effort, responsibility, performed under similar working conditions, but need not be the exact same job. So I think that's a much more defined way of putting it than just same work, which I think pretty much anyone can get around unless two people are doing the exact same thing. So that's point number one. The other big thing is this uh, business justification defense. So it modified that, inserted by employers to accept an otherwise prohibited pay discrepancy from the equal pay requirement based on a recognized justification. So we're talking about things like seniority system, merit system, a system that measures earnings by quality or quantity of production or a bona fide factor other than sex, such as education, training, experience. And let's see, there was one other part of this. So the employer has to establish, it kind of shifts the burden on, it shifts the burden on the employer almost to establish that this business justification for unequal pay is accounted for the entire wage discrepancy that exists and also was reasonably relied upon by the employer. So if anyone's still following what I said, I, I think I went. <laughs> no, it, it, it's, it's a kind of subtle thing. And so it's not, it's not easy to follow, actually, because there was actually this rule of a business justification defense, basically. That's been there, too. But the difference is, for example, and you know, they made it clear that, okay, if there's two people, similar work, but one is senior to the other, right. then them being seniors is a business justification for giving them a higher salary. Now that's fine. But in the past, let's say that you have two people, woman that's been there for five years, man that's been there for six years, same job, but because of that extra year, he's being paid double salary. That may not make sense under the new law because 
the entire wage discrepancy has to be justified. So in the sense that maybe that more senior male may be justified in having an increased wage, but double, probably not. Yeah, and like I said, the, the entire discrepancy, I think that's a big part of it too. Some of the things you mentioned, yeah, it's easy to, obviously if someone's been around a lot longer, you can get by with that, but I think it's just, it's narrowing the kind of the gap of what employers are going to be able to get away with, which I'm sure employers in California don't want to hear because (laughs) it's already a a tough go through, but it's, there's no reason to not pay people of different genders the same amount if they're doing substantially similar work. Sure. Now you say that (laughs) you were going to say that August 31st, but there's no proof. I said that. So let's see a couple of the things that are more minor. Well, uh, this kind of is a little bit minor, but I think it's it's going to affect a lot of employment agreement or the handbooks is precluding employees from discussing their wages, discussing the wages of others, inquiring about others' wages, or aiding or encouraging any other employee to exercise his or her rights under the act, which I think a lot of handbooks probably or employment agreements have some sort of confidentiality clause in there that might restrict employees from doing that because they don't want to have people get paid differently. Well, now if they're doing it, it could be in violation of this act too, but they don't want to have someone get paid more or some, sorry, someone get paid less and they go and, you know, try to justify getting paid more, going to the supervisor, things like that. Yeah. Take the legal side of it. Politically, you know, what people make is always kind of a weird thing and, and different employers have handled it differently. Some are very open about it. Some are very secretive about it. And, this prohibition is interesting. I, I understand why they did it. I think some employers are going to be unhappy about it. I I tend to not like seeing these kind of prohibitions anyway. I think I think it doesn't create the right atmosphere. It's kind of an old school mentality, but but still, I mean, there's still plenty of employers that are that are in that mindset that uh, well, going to have to make the change and keep up with the times. Right, and I I do see there being some reasons why you'd want to have that stay confidential, but it's not going to really change things too much for employers. No. I mean, in, in general, well, it'll change things with what they have to do. Sure. But you know, I don't think it's a big thing. And then let's see, this is the biggest one increases employers record keeping obligations <laughs> from two to three years. So. <laughs> well, most people don't realize That's the takeaway. Like, <laughs> obviously it's not a huge thing, but every employer, every business for that matter should have a retention of records policy. And Okay, the smaller you are, the easier it is just to say, okay, keep everything for a long time. As you grow into a bigger company, there's actually reasons to go ahead and destroy those records as as time goes on after a certain amount of time and so forth and as statute limitations go by and it becomes a cost in itself maintaining those records. So there's other financial reasons why you may want to do that as well. But this increases at from two to three years. And, and what kind of records? Like, for example, you know, this law some take-home advice after this is coming out is since we talked about how you have to be able to justify some of these wage discrepancies, when you're giving raises or denying raises or promotions or what have you, documenting the basis and reasoning for those kinds of things may become a savior two, three years down the line (laughs) and you keeping those records to be able to justify, Hey, look, I gave this person a raise because they they're on their merits because they did this, this and that. And look, here's my notes to show that. And of course that can be abused the other way too. At the same time, 
documentation is everything in any kind of legal defense, whether you're defending against the government or defending against a current or former employee or a outside litigant. Yeah, it's gotta gotta have that stuff in writing. It's it's gonna go a long way. So, so this obviously is in California. Where do you see this, or what industry do you see, or industries do you see being affected by this the most? I was talking about it today at, at the office, and first. From a national level, this is going to have a huge impact. California, I think this is the first real aggressive law when it comes to fair, you know, equal and fair pay between men and women in the country. And so accordingly, it's not going to be surprising as much of an issue it was made in the last election, the presidential election, you know, with the, what was it, books of women or binders full of women that Mitt Romney made, yeah. that this law may be, it's likely to be emulated in other states. So... California are going to be the first to do that. But but also California being the home of Hollywood, this was also a big issue in the last, I think it was the Oscars, or if I recall, that a lot of the female actresses made statements in their acceptance speeches, et cetera, to bring this to light and brings the question of, you know, what kind of impact is it going to have on the uh, movie industry? Yeah. And you know, I, I agree completely. And I do. It's a good point. I forgot about it being brought up in the, uh, whatever that was, the Emmys or Oscars. I get all those confused. Yeah. But for, it's it's tough for that because so let's say you have a movie and you're paying the male lead, you know, more than the female lead. They're both very well-known actors. But what if the male lead is just someone who just generates so much money? Like Will Smith, for example. Like every movie he's in, it's you take it to the bank, it makes X amount of dollars. And then there's every movie that the female lead's been by herself as the lead. You know, it's half of that. Yeah. I mean, is there justification it's tough yeah how do you measure that justification lead actress or lead actor is harder to decide but if they're supporting actor actresses it brings it down to most most likely they're going to be more closer in their level of fame etc that's that's not easy to do and i'm sure hollywood has its own cultural you know how it deals with salary and so forth and not only just from a gender perspective but also a racial perspective that comes into play too. So it's kind of hard to tell how that this is going to react, but that's definitely part of the discussion after this law passed. I'm thinking about the adverse ramifications of this. I, I could definitely see employers now. Well, let me think about this. Well, I, yeah, I, but I know, I think you're bringing up a good point is that employers are going to be more inclined to just pay people equally regardless of their merit because it's just the safer thing to do, you know? On one hand, the statute reaches its objectives, but that means also if you should be paying someone else more regardless of their gender, but because of some kind of business justification, the employer may not be inclined to do so if they feel like it's going to be difficult to make that proof in a court of law. Definitely. And the other thing I was thinking is, let's say two, a male and a female are both up for the promotion to the next level where there's a bunch of other people on that level. Now, they might be more inclined to put the female up there more than they did the male. It definitely raises the question. Some may say, well, it's a good thing. At least now they're thinking about you know, the concept that, okay, who, who should go up because of the merits? But I don't think this law goes too far to say that a rational employer in most situations aren't going to have to unreasonably keep one person down over the other because of this act. You know, I, I think that might be too overcautious, but I can see some employers falling into that trap. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking too, why, 
this hasn't been in the news. Maybe I've just not paid attention this week, but it seems like this would be a much bigger story. But then I thought about it more. It's like, well, it's like you could discriminate based on gender previously, like you were saying. It's it's just clarifying what is the sort of discrimination. Yeah. If this would have been the first law passed where you say you can't discriminate based on the person's gender, then yeah, this is obviously a huge issue. But it's just saying, well, you still can't discriminate, but this is you know, there's more ways to discriminate, I guess. It basically gives a blueprint for plaintiff's attorneys on how to sue an employer. That's, that's at the end of the day, that's what it is. And by doing, by doing so, it puts employers on notice that, hey, from now on, you're going to have attorneys on the sidelines waiting for you to mess up. So you better straighten up, which frankly is an effective way to get it done. I think. Yeah. Always looking out for those attorneys. Yep. The police force of the law. Not really. I guess the police are the police of the law. <laughs> I guess I probably should have mentioned at the beginning instead of at the end that obviously you were joking about <laughs> at the beginning of me not being in support of this. <laughs> so for somebody that listened all the, or that stopped listening at some point. Yeah, I mean, most people just listen to the first 30 seconds, so you're out of luck. I'm in charge of writing the title, so maybe I'll... <laughs> title, Bat, Bat Supports California Pay Act. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure that's very clear. Yeah. Yeah. It, it may come off as sarcastic, but especially with the, the first few minutes. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it. Big law coming. Is this effective already? What is it going into effect? No, I think it's January 1st, 2016. I think. Okay. Well, let's prepare. We got to change those handbooks if need be. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. They always give you some time to, to change the handbooks. Yeah. At least the discussing wages, that stuff, I've. I mean, I feel like that's been around a little bit longer because I've yeah. been going back through handbooks, making sure that's not in there. Because I think someone like Macy's got hit with that and another company, but... That may employ some federal violations too. So that now it makes it much more clear. It's a bright line. You can't use it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us. Yep. Keep it sound. Keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.